Welcome to Entheo Nation, where we feature visionaries who are pioneering the cutting edge of awakening. Psychedelic science, modern shamanism, neuroscience, new paradigm lifestyles. Get ready to harness the power of visionary states and forge reality into your wildest dreams. Modern Mystics. This is Lorna Liana, and I have Shauna Home back here with me today on Entheo Nation, who will share with us how we can use psilocybin mushrooms to cultivate beneficial relationships with spirit guides and access otherworldly intelligence. Before we dive into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Emmanuel Otto for leaving such a heartwarming review on iTunes. Emmanuel says, The rate at which plant medicine is gaining greater and greater acknowledgement in the mainstream is just one thread that makes up these truly significant times. The Entheonation podcast approaches this subject with class and credibility, diving deep with some of the most thoughtful pioneers in the space. Her own insight in this area, combined with her warmth and sensitivity as an interviewer, ensures that Lorna's listeners will discover new dimensions to this still largely unexplored universe. Now, hallucinogenic mushrooms have been part of human culture as far back as the earliest recorded history. Ancient paintings dating back to 5000 BC of humanoids that appear to be under the influence of mushrooms have been found in caves on the Tassili Plateau of northern Algeria. Hallucinogenic species of the psilocybe genus have a history of use among the native peoples of Mesoamerica for religious communion, divination, and healing from pre-Columbian times to the present day. Pre-Columbian Central and South American cultures built temples to mushroom gods and carved mushroom stones. These stone carvings in the shape of mushrooms or in which figures are depicted under the cap of a mushroom have been dated to as early as 1000 to 500 BC. When the Spanish arrived on the continent in the 15th century, they witnessed religious ceremonies that included the consumption of hallucinogenic mushrooms. In the mid-16th century, Spanish priest Bernardino de Sahagún wrote of the use of hallucinogenic mushrooms by the Aztecs in his Florentine Codex. He wrote, The first thing to be eaten at the feast were small black mushrooms that they called nanacatl, and these bring on drunkenness, hallucinations, and even lechery. They ate these before the dawn, with honey. And when they began to feel the effects, they began to dance, some sang, and others wept. When the drunkenness of the mushrooms had passed, they spoke with one another of the visions they had seen. At present, psilocybin mushrooms are still being consumed among some groups spanning from Central America to Oaxaca, including groups of Nahua, Mistex, Miche, Mazatex, Zapotex, and others. Now, if you have any experience consuming magic mushrooms, in addition to opening up your doors of perception to a world full of spirits, you might take notice of a certain fungal intelligence that appears to want to communicate with you. If you stick around until the end of this episode, I will share with you my latest mushroom message from beyond, as well as share with you a down-tempo, 
oldie but goodie from electronic music artist Bluetech. Visit our show notes at entheonation.com slash 20 for resources mentioned in the interview, as well as where to find Shauna online. If you would like to receive a free transcript of this episode, it is super easy. Simply text Entheonation, that is E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. Just reply to the SMS with your best email to get access to premium content that's only available to bona fide citizens of Entheonation. If you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review the show in iTunes, as this will increase Entheonation's visibility in the iTunes marketplace and help get this life-changing information out to the people who need it. Now on to the show. Hello, beautiful visionaries of Entheo Nation. This is Lorna Liana, and I am back today with a former guest. Her name is Shauna Holm, and she is an author, a shamanic practitioner, teacher, and public speaker who has become a feminine voice for the reverent shamanic use of psilocybin mushrooms. Her book, Love and Spirit Medicine, chronicles her mystical journey through the end of her marriage into a focused exploration of entheogenic mushrooms. Now, Shauna travels around the country teaching the shamanic arts and sharing wisdom gleaned from the mushroom intelligences. In addition, she is a beekeeper and a bee venom therapist with a book on that subject. So the topic for today that Shauna and I are going to explore is how to communicate with mushroom spirits and actually develop a relationship with the intelligences that one can come into contact with in the visionary state. So Shauna, thank you so much for joining us today. Ah, thanks, Lauren. It's great to be here. So in your book, you enter into engagement with a number of intelligences or spirits through the use of the mushroom. So I'd love to hear more about that. Okay. Again, when I started this, I had no idea what to expect. You know, I really came in green, which is a fun use word to use, actually. The second time I used the medicine, because this was happening on a monthly basis, the second time I was once again out in the woods, in the rainforest, the mossy woods, and did this medicine. And at one point I was on my knees looking up into the trees and I could see all of these different nature spirits. And they started coming into me. And it was almost as if they wanted to experience being in this. And then of course, a part of me also was experiencing their frequency. And so that happened throughout that journey. And then the following month, I was again in the forest at night on the medicine and more nature spirits came to me. And also the fae, fairy folk would come in and they would come in and they are always the first to enter me and they would dance my body. And then these most extraordinary sounds would come out of my mouth and they are pure sensuality and very blissful, sensual, incredible frequency of being. And so this happened over the course of several months. Owls were coming in at one point, an eagle being came in. And then after about a year of this, on June 6th, which was the Venus transit a couple of years ago, and a lot of people were buzzing about that and occurred to me, that is a portal. And I'm going to go in with the medicine on that day. Like I was like, why aren't we having rich 
virtual and giant stadium. Like this feels like a big one to me. And so I went in with six grams that night with a dear friend of mine. And by then I was used to these spirits coming in and dancing my body. And by the way, when the birds would come in, my arms would contort. And these, my hands would always go into mudras, which I was told later that these are antenna. And so depending on the mudra, it will hold the frequency of that being that is within me. So the night of the Venus transit, very different energy came in. And that was, well, they identified themselves as star beings and they were completely different. And I'll tell you how they announced themselves. They said, out of my mouth, they said, they've got their guns pointed and their radar on. And yet here we are in a tiny tent in Redmond. And then I turned to my friend and they said, wasted money, don't you think? And then they proceeded for the next two hours to have us in stitches laughing and they were talking to us like we were old friends, calling us daughters of Mew. And they were talking about what is going on on planet Earth in terms of this shift in awareness, shift in consciousness, also a passing of the baton. So that's sort of where we ended up. But all through the course of that year, as I would do the medicine, I was encountering these different, I call them beings, because just as we are human beings, they are beings as well. Well, the veils were thinning between the worlds so that in my day-to-day life, the owl in particular was making itself known to me. And, and right down to, you know, I'd go running in the morning and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's an owl in my neighborhood. And then I would hear it hooting outside my window at night. And then we apply to a school for my daughter and lo and behold, the mascot is the owl. And now, of course, I live next to that school. So when my clients or my students come, they drive through the school entrance and then it says home of the owls, which everyone has a good laugh about that. So I entered every single shamanic journey with the mushroom through the portal of ritual and and entering with an open heart and wanting to learn and very humble and out in nature, in the woods, or if you live near an ocean or whatever, but for God's sake, I mean, this is mother nature medicine. I would rather be out there in all that. That's the best way for sure to work with these plant medicines. That's the temple. And these are ancient teachers. And so you enter in that way. And also they scan you. So I joke that your rap doesn't work in the spirit world. It doesn't. It, you just forget it. I mean, they can see the whole thing. So they know if you're full of shit and they know if you are coming from a place of integrity. I mean, they've got your number, you know, <laughs> and, and they're extremely benevolent and kind. The ones that I found But also, as above, so below. So as we have tricksters and not-so-nice people here, that is also true in those worlds as well. So it's very important to protect yourself. And I will speak to that briefly to say that every single time we did ceremony, I use copal, which is the tree resin that the Central and South American shamans use. Uh, But you can use sage, palo santo or whatever. But I use copal and I walk around the perimeter of the area that we're going to work in three times. And I've had times on the medicine where I've looked up And I am within just a, it's a pale smoky dome. And I realize, ah, that's the Copal. And then the beings have said, no one gets through, they call her big sister Copal without her permission. She is an incredible Mm -hmm. protectress. So I am always protected. And so I really was going through this portal to ask to be taught, please whisper 
to me your wisdom, your good wisdom. That's what I was, was in search of. And that's what I would receive. And as these beings, this is also a very old form of shamanism that women do is allowing the beings to enter temporary possession. And you have to know what you're doing. And in my book, Love and Spirit Medicine, I write about every single experience, including when a demon came in. And that's because I was with my dear friend and lover at the time. And we left the protected area where we were and we went outside and there's a whole story to that, but it was out there that this thing came in and it made a mess of the relationship. And anyway, it was quite something. And when the medicine wore off and I was lying in bed and we were both really shaken, I thought, I talked to the spirits. I said, wait a minute. I know that that was a teaching because at the beginning of that journey, I saw the grandmas who work with me. I saw the cat that is also a guardian. I saw the owl, like all my guardians was there. And yet that thing came in and I was, so I was reasoning and I was thinking, okay, well, it didn't physically harm me. It did shake us up quite a bit. And then it came to me, of course, if you're going to be opening yourself and allowing these beings in, that was a necessary experience and initiation. You must recognize that frequency. I'll never, ever forget what that frequency feels like, ever. And I will be able to, I'll feel its presence. You know what I mean? So, and this is a very important piece to the shamanic piece. There's a lot of people out there who do, I call it shamanism light, L-I-T-E. And it's deep. And there's a lot of darkness that must be navigated as well. You've got to know how to navigate that. And you've got to recognize that there are beings like that. And you want to respect those beings, which I do. And I don't want any trouble. So their protection needs to be set up as well. Not from a place of fear, but simply boundaries. Boundaries are very, very important in this work, just as they are when we just go out into the world. You don't want to leave your heart wide open when you're in downtown New York. I mean, maybe you do, but... It's like we have cells in our bodies and every, the cells, they're all interconnected. But what does every cell have? It has a cell wall, doesn't it? So certain things can permeate that wall and other things can't. So it's very natural and a proper thing to do, something to think about uh, when you are doing this work. But those spirits will work with you. You go in there with an open heart and that desire to learn providence opens and they will absolutely work with you. And they work with me. They come to me in my dreams. They wake me up between three and four in the morning often in mid conversation. So it's like the deep psyche was getting the fullness of that conversation. And then the conscious mind got invited to a little tidbit. So I got something that I could remember. And, and then when I do my work, they're right here. They're always on my right side, always right here. So yeah, but you know what, sweetie, I think this is how shamans have been traditionally trained through the plants. Of course, those are the ultimate teachers. And then if you were very lucky, which of course back then you would be, there would be these available shamans who could guide your way through the use of the plants. And this is how I recommend doing it and this and this. I didn't have that, but I did put my trust and my faith in that medicine, especially after the first experience I knew. This is a portal, ancient. These are good teachers here and I'm going to avail myself. And it has all opened up. In fact, I was at the Yucatan in the Yucatan a couple of years ago, and I had some medicine with me and I, we were going to the site of Palenque and Palenque a thousand years ago was ruled by Lady Zatkuk, the Red Queen. And they think through her son, Lord Pakal, or he may have been her husband, they're not sure, but there's a tomb and they call it the tomb of the Red Queen. And I want to go talk to her. And I knew by then I'd been doing enough of the medicine that I could 
do that. And so I went to Palenque and I, we had a group and my shaman friend, Miguel Angel, he took the group elsewhere and I went off by myself. That was our agreement. And I found a quiet place and I took just a little bit and went in instantly a jaguar came and like leapt over me. And then a huge bat came and that bat is Lord Tots, T-O-T-Z. He's a Mayan God. And then some dark beings showed up and there's always dark ones around. I mean, those temples, there's all sorts of stuff. And I just simply said, look, I am of the light. I don't want any trouble. I'm here to speak to the Red Queen. And just by then, like you say that with enough backbone and command and just knowing what you are. And so they faded away. And then this beautiful being, and she was sideways like this, her face, and she was orangey red. And she had a headdress of feathers and between each feather was a serpent. And she was eyeing me and the serpents were. And I knew, of course, they were studying me. They're scanning your field. And so I just opened my heart. And then we had a whole conversation together. And when I got back, I did a little more research on her and I was blown away to read. It said that she is always shown with a headdress of Quetzal feathers. Quetzal's a type of bird. So I didn't know that. And anyway, it was amazing. And I'd love to be able to go to different sites, do just a little bit of the medicine and just take the time to find a quiet place alone and just sit and speak to them. And of course you can do that without the medicine, but as we well know, the medicine takes you really, really deep into those realms in a big way. It's not the same thing as just a regular meditation. Oh no, not at all. It's so funny when people say to me, you know, I had this conversation with a woman who was saying, you know, well, she'd never done ayahuasca before. And she was like, well, you can access those states when you meditate. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so funny because people assume that, but unless you've actually had experience with the medicine, you'll see that you can't get to these deep, far out other inner worlds. You've also ingested a teacher. You've ingested a teacher. Yes. It's another intelligence altogether. Right. So that plant takes you to a specific state. You're on a ride. You opened a door and you cannot get back outside that door until that plant is done with you. Whereas meditation, you could get up at any time. It's true. And some of the things that I've seen in the visionary state working within theogenic plants are things that I would never have even conjured up in my imagination. I mean, complete other worlds in pristine detail. And sometimes I find myself looking around like, I don't know how I could have dreamed this up. (laughs) Other beings, other like cities, cities of crystal and mosaic with uh, beautiful stone archways and cupolas and boats, like Egyptian style boats that carry people through the astral sky. You know, things like that. I mean, it's always a wonderful mystery to see what vision will reveal next. Yes, it is. Yeah, the visionary, I think of it as like a visionary spectacle. It's extraordinary. And at the same time, it's so interesting because I'll do the medicine and I kind of almost suffer through that. Like it is amazing. But then I look forward to sort of getting on the other side of that. And then it becomes like a, well, it's like a shamanic journey where I don't have the vision so much, but the whole thing is felt deeply, deeply, deeply felt. And that is where the beings come in. And then I can see them, but it's more feeling them. I would describe it as being like in a, I guess, recovery room in a hospital ward in the sense that like after going through an intense, like visionary journey, I find myself in this place where I feel like I'm being taken care of by the spirits. And I feel like I'm recovering from just all the the traumas that just 
got released during that visionary journey. And I'm soaking in a deep, profound sense of feeling of healing, healing at like a deep cellular level. And it's just such a wonderful thing. It's like you just, it's like, you know, getting a wonderful massage and you're just like soaking in the healing and the comfort and the nurturing and the love from everything around you, from the spirits and the earth. And that's the place of spiritual recovery in a certain way, because we go through so much in life, up so many traumas, we have so many wounds that we don't know how to heal on our own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, as you mentioned, in the course of our lives, we can pick up entities that will stay with us for years even. I had this one experience where I had a a bit of an ex. It was, I described it to my medicine sister as it was the exorcist meets Gandalf when he like when he enters the horse lord's hall and exercises the Lord of Rohan. He's like out to get out of this man, and then like just kind of like pulls that evil spirit like out of him and and aliens basically, <laughs> where it was a massive purge, but at the same time, it was an extraction of an entity that had been living inside me parasitically since I was a teenager. And Mm -hmm. it was so embedded in my being that when it was finally removed by the medicine, like I felt really weak because it had been so integrated in my spiritual energetic body that it's one of the, I had this feeling that if the extraction kind of had been done incorrectly, like if you're going in for surgery and the surgery is not done with precision, then the life of the patient is in danger. So I kind of felt like went through that. I wasn't in any physical danger, but I felt like, wow, that was an intense surgery that I went through. And when I was resting after that, it was just this pure bliss of healing. Yes, absolutely. And this is the thing we are in the 3D and in the perception that we have of this world. We have no awareness of these invisible worlds that also Rudolf Steiner spoke to at great length. And they do influence us. It's all these unseen forces, all these unseen worlds, and of course, beings within that world. And so they glom on to a certain or whatever reason, and certainly drug addiction, alcohol Mm -hmm. abuse, violence, depression, a lot of that will just open you up because it is just like having a cold. When you have a cold, your immune system is compromised. So this cold came in or this flu or whatever. It's the same thing. If you are abusing drugs or super, super depressed, whatever that sheath is around us becomes compromised and then something opportunistic can get in. What's really fascinating in the Brazilian Amazon, in the culture of the Amazon, you know, there's people accept the presence of other spirits in their lives and getting an exorcism by a shaman is just, uh, it's something that is part of, if the doctor's not helping you, then that's the alternative, right? Whereas in the West, it's like, exorcist? You know, no, what are you talking it's, about? <laughs> it's a hygienic procedure. It is. <laughs> <laughs> And so they say that addiction is actually, so they believe, first of all, that every person, every human being is actually accompanied by spirits, both uh, protector spirits and teacher spirits, but as well spirits that are tied to you through karma and parasitic Mm -hmm. spirits. And we just walk through life with a troop of spirits that accompany us. And uh, their perception of addiction is that it's a spirit that has attached itself to you and it's causing you to hunger for whatever it is. It's like a hungry ghost spirit that is feeding off 
off of your addiction to alcohol or cocaine or things like that. So, uh, so it's interesting how what you see in the Amazon too, and especially with the uh, you know, ayahuasca as a, a powerful plant medicine, is how effective it actually is to treat addictions. So there are alternative centers that have opened up. Uh, one, for example, founded by a French doctor or psychotherapist called Jacques Mabit. In it's called Takawasi uh, in Tarapoto, and that center treats addicts. There was another center I visited in Brazil, uh, run by a Spanish psychotherapist called uh, Prato. And Spanish addicts would come out there and they would use ayahuasca to get clean, essentially. So not only does ayahuasca, like ibogaine or iboga, have a powerful, is a powerful remedy for addictions and addictive cravings, but shamanically it's used for exorcism. Yeah, Yeah. of course. I can see that. Absolutely. And peyote would do the same thing in the right circumstance. Oh yeah, very much so. And of course the mushroom in the right circumstance, because they will also, they'll, they'll reveal to you your addiction. They'll reveal to you in a way that no human can, you know, in terms of deeper, deeper layers around that, where you can fully see. And the beings that speak with me, they always speak about spell. And what I think is that collectively we have been spellbound. We have been bound to a spell. And a lot of it is done through words and of course symbols as well. But essentially these medicines will break the spell. They're spell breakers. I have described myself as a spell breaker when I work with people, whether it is with the medicine or in my teaching, bring through like a different perspective that will break that spell of perception. And it happens like that because all it takes is the ability to see and that is why this age of light or age of what they call it the information age well light is information you turn on the light you see everything and then all of a sudden you have this much broader very different perspective because you didn't see it before and actually it's all right in front of us we just we can't see what's right in front of our eyes i mean we are beginning to many of us Yeah. So I want to bookmark the conversation around this incredible time of shift that we seem to be in. But before we dive into that, I want to return back to the the dialogue around working with the otherworldly intelligences, because I think that's really important. I think when one becomes a serious practitioner of the shamanic path, then you are going to encounter spirit. So that's the difference between someone who's going into an ayahuasca ceremony for psychotherapy and someone who's committed and starts drinking medicine on a regular basis, eventually something's going to open up in your mind and in your heart that will allow you to communicate with these spirits. So one of the things that I do always say to people that talk to me about ayahuasca is it's not so much the strength of the medicine or how powerful the shaman is, so to speak, in terms of like number of songs he has and whether or not he's got a lot of followers, but it's whether or not the work has been appropriately opened and appropriately closed. And so one of the problems that I see when you open the work in an appropriate way, so I also recommend doing that like circle of protection or calling the spirits to protect the space. And in the Santo Daime tradition, they invoke the power of the Holy Trinity so that no negative spirits 
spirits can enter the holy space of work. But at the tail end of the ceremony, it's so important to close it. Otherwise, you're leaving the space open and the practitioners open. As they go out into their daily lives, they're still open. And that's when spirits can come in and attach themselves to you or bother you, create havoc. And so that is the most important thing to look at. Is the person who's holding the space opening and closing the ceremony appropriately? And once the ceremony is closed, you don't drink any more medicine. It's done. So yeah, so like the temptation to drink some more? No, no, sorry. You have to honor those boundaries. Otherwise, you can really set yourself up for long-term problems. And then you have to find another shaman to help you exercise the spirits that you you know, may have picked yes. up. So um, yes, I think there are natural laws around this or very essential guidelines. And you're exactly right. I mean, when I'm done with the ceremony, I conclude it by saying, thank you. That's the final. I thank you so much for this teaching and to the medicine and to all the nature spirits. And then I say, all right, you can go now. (laughs) We're we're complete. And and I'm so glad you brought that up because that is so important. So very, very important that you close that space because it closes closes the whole thing down. And that is necessary too, because what it does is then then everything has that natural boundary again. We have a natural boundary. We can go about our lives and do what we do. But there are standards as any initiate will tell you. I mean, you enter into the sacred, there is a higher standard now that you are held to. And there are certain like, there's a way of yes, going about ceremony and conducting yourself and your behavior. One of my teachers, and by the way, my shaman teachers, no one's heard of them. There's some a few guys out there, I call them rock star shamans. And I'm not a rock star shamans too. Oh my god, it's such a perfect description for what oh yeah they are mortgage your house to do their medicine wheel and the whole nine yards but in any case no these beautiful guys and interestingly they are all they've been men but very humble kind men who really hold the feminine they hold the feminine they've been very good teachers for me and i think of these men and i hope among that those kind who are just very quietly doing good work for people, helping, genuinely helping people. And one of my teachers said to me, Shauna, I'm not giving you these teachings to like give you my ancestors and give you my power. No, I'm giving you these teachings to open you to your own power. And then another shaman teacher had said, you know, here, you know, I'm teaching you this and now make it your own. Bring your unique piece into this and create this from what has stirred you, what quickens you, use that. And so it's been so empowering. My teachers have not acted like sort of gurus and follow me and then you'll be whatever. Yeah, I love Terrence McKenna's got a great line saying, you can sweep the floors of the ashram for 10 years, you know, in the hopes of getting that little nugget from your teacher, or you can take that five grams of psilocybin you have in your refrigerator. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Oh my God, it's true. Love this episode? You can receive the transcript for free by simply texting Entheonation, that's E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. All you need to do is to reply to the SMS message with your best email address, and we'll send you the transcript and our guide to navigating visionary states for free as a VIP citizen of Entheonation.
Yeah, I find the true curanderos, they don't need to walk around with like necklaces of jaguar teeth. You know, some of the, the most powerful shamans that I've had the privilege of meeting are old indigenous grandfathers who like if you were to see them you would just think that they were just some ordinary like indigenous campesino you would not know that this person has been studying the plant medicine since he was eight and has spent over 20 years like cumulative 20 years in solitary retreat in the jungle, surviving on his own, finding the plants on his own and like receiving their teachings. Like he looks just like a poor Indian farmer. And yeah, yeah, and so when I see some of these rock star shamans go through with their outfits and like, just like, gee, but you don't have a fraction of the knowledge that some of these true elders have. Although I do respect that they are the ones opening the door for many of the people that would never go to the jungle. Absolutely. No question. Yeah. But I find when you do touch these realms, when you touch the sacred, when you touch these beings, it makes you so humble, like just so humble because it's so amazing to be able to touch that. And then they are so kind, the beings. They love us so much and they see how damaged we are. We're Mm. damaged. We're traumatized because this is not natural. This modern society, the way we live, it's not nowhere near, which is why, of course, you see the symptoms in how sick people are on every level because the human organism is sick. When you take anything out of its natural habitat, it doesn't thrive very well. And so we've been taken away from the land, essentially. We don't belong in cubicles in front of a computer for 10 hours a day and then in a car fighting traffic like we were talking. That's not what it is to be human. It's not a natural state. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen down the road, but we all know this isn't sustainable. So it's going to be interesting as we are shifting here on Spaceship Earth to see what these events are going to be that are going to really change things. But of course, it begins in here, each individual one of us. And this is what the beings are stressing. They're saying this is a frequency game and we're being kept in this state of stress and fear and tension and it's intense. And when you're in that state, you can't access the higher order thinking. And that's where all that infinite creativity comes from. Because in order to solve, resolve these issues we've got, which by the way, this has really come to me. We have got a remedy for everything. Everything that's going on has a remedy. It truly does. We just have to shift states of consciousness to tap into that, to bring some creativity into this sort of hive mind society we've got and get out of that box because the box is such a mess. And oh boy, will the plant medicines do that for you. They'll get you out of the box fast. And that is uh, essential. I mean, you know, there's so many people out there who work with this medicine who are in different positions of, you know, inventing things and whatnot. I guarantee gotten a lot of that inspiration from certain journeys that they took. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I hope one day to be able to lead uh, startup founders and CEOs down to the Amazon to experience what it's like to drink this medicine in the villages and uh, to meet the shamans that with the intention of working together to break through blocks in their businesses, but also to come up with solutions to some major problems. Like in the Amazon, access to clean water is a really big problem. Brilliant. 
So going back to our conversation about guidelines and protecting yourself, I want to make sure that we're complete. So what other, so in addition to opening and closing the ceremony in an appropriate way and giving thanks and gratitude, what other recommendations do you have for being able to journey safely into the visionary realms and then communicate with these other world intelligences? Okay. Well, the way I do it is, so I set up the space where I'm going to do the medicine. And for me, I always do it in a tent, which is screened. And then if it's raining, I can put a cover on it, but I do quite like that. It feels, well, they call it my spaceship or I call it my teepee. So it's this little structure. And so I create that within a circle. I walk the circle three times. I open the directions. I invite in the nature spirits. I invite in my guardians and call earth mama. And so I ask mama to open to us and open the portal and teach us. And then I take the copal and I, well, I copal myself. If I am working with someone else, I copal them. I copal the mushrooms and then I hold the mushrooms to my heart and I send in my heart's light. And I will tell you this as well, because the copal and all of that is wonderful. And that is a plant ally, no question. From the trees, good friends of mine. But if you have no props, shall we say, we are the ultimate prop, if you will. And so I will, if I didn't have any copal, nothing, if I had none of that, I would use my heart's light. And so connect deeply heart center. And then I would walk a circle three times. Three is a very powerful number, by the way, in magic. And also I study law. I have a friend who's a scholar of law, not an attorney. He's a scholar of law. And uh, and three, the legal system's obsessed with that number. There's an old book written in the late 1800s by an Italian scholar called Trichotomy in Roman Law. Will not make the New York Times bestseller list anytime soon. But anyway, just writing about what the hell's up with the number three. But anyway, so I walk three times around the circle and I would just open my heart light and don't think that the nature spirits and all these beings can't feel that. Of course they can. And so what are you doing essentially when you are doing that? It's like knocking on the door, you're visiting someone's home. Well, you don't want to show up empty handed. Of course not. So that's the other thing too. I will often have a little bit of offering and often it's just honey from my beehives or something, a little honey sweetness for the spirits. But if not that, from my heart, that light, they love that. So that is there. You have this offering and then, and then of course they invite you in after that. And then I just lie down and I let it happen and I know I am protected and safe. And then of course, then they, they start to come in. And then when I am done, the way I close is to say, thank you. I say, thank you. I say a little prayer, the power of prayer of thanks. And then it's like sort of sending everyone home. All right. Our, our little event is our evening is over. It's time for bed. So we can all disperse. And then that energy, you can just feel just fades away. The most important piece to remember with this is one of my teachers used to say, show up. You got to show up. And when I say show up, I mean, show up fully in your integrity and in your humility, not like, because again, they can read you, spirits can read you. So if you're full of shit or you're just, your heart's not in it, literally or whatever, then it's like the face you show is the face you get back. So show up fully. You're sitting with ancient teachers. They don't teach you this in Sunday school. There's no touchstone for this in our modern society. We've not been taught, but I can assure you these beings are a mystery. They're ancient. They hold secrets 
secrets upon secrets upon secrets and so much wisdom. So you show up with that knowing and they're going to come and work with you. They are and you'll be protected. And if you have a challenging experience, sometimes these are medicines, aren't they? Medicine doesn't always taste good, doesn't always go down so great. So you might have a real challenging, maybe somewhat dark experience. Well, then you've got to work with that as well. And one of the things I do in my work is I will work with people who've had medicine journeys. And then there's an integration period to help them integrate that. You come out of that, you're like, what was that? (laughs) Sometimes. And it speaks to you symbolically as well. So it's very helpful to work with someone who can help them sort of put the pieces together with that and really absorb what that experience was all about. And my work is very, goes into the shadow, really deep into the shadow because my medicine is out, which is a creature of the night. And that is very essential work. And especially for those of us who are becoming leaders in a certain way, because we have both seen how people can abuse power in a multitude of ways because they have not dealt with their own shadow, which becomes your Achilles heel, whatever that is, your proclivity that you don't want to even look at. Oh, no, no, that's them. That's, oh, no, they do this. And so that's another thing. If you're pointing your finger and you're really triggered, really triggered by something someone does, that is an indication that maybe <laughs> you share that just a little bit. And maybe <laughs> look where, where in me do I have this? And the shadow work is very important. I worked with a teacher who has not done her shadow work and she is quite something. I mean, she really taught me how not to. This is how you don't work with a group. This is how you, anyway, it was a good teacher. Those teachers are excellent teachers as well. The ones who kind of make mess. I mean, they really are. You know, you do learn from them, but she's not done her shadow work. Clearly, you know, she hasn't looked within at the sort of messy parts of herself and sort of brought that into the light to make corrections. Carl Jung would speak about this. You bring it into the light so you can correct that or heal it, whatever it is. Anyway, but the medicine will point that stuff out to you. No problem. In technicolor, for sure. Okay, so let's say you're journeying in the visionary realm and you start to encounter spirits. Have you noticed that you're seeing some of the same spirits over and over again? Like sometimes I will travel and I'll see totally new spirits, but on other times I'll see spirits that I recognize. Like they feel like they're my spirit family and they're always overjoyed to see me in a way that they're more overjoyed to see me than my own family, actually. (laughs) And, (laughs) and I'm so overjoyed to see them. And, uh, and then sometimes when I see them, when the journey fades away and I lose sight of them, I feel this really deep nostalgia and homesickness. Yes. Do you ever get that? And do you ever feel that this is dangerous? Because it's sometimes I feel like there's a longing for me to not be embodied and be here in this earth, but to go back to the place that I feel like is my true home with my true tribe and my family, my spirit family. This is where the wisdom and discernment comes in because yes, there are spirit familiars and they are like family. I think of them as old friends. They are old, old, old friends. And so we are the ones who have descended into the into material form. And so they've got a larger view right now. We're down in this and they are our assist, our loving assist. And we must be very mindful of the fact that we chose to incarnate. And that fact, they've said to me, not a one, not a one of you came here against your will. You all, you know, you all showed up. <laughs> That some of you, and they meant me, swan dived in here. Because <laughs> all the moments of like, I do, I do not want to be 
care, you know. <laughs> Stop complaining, you chose it. <laughs> yeah, you swan dive. You probably butted in line to be here, so enough of that. But we must have, we were talking about this earlier, one foot firmly in this world and then one foot in the other world. And you must learn to navigate both or to appreciate both. We're embodied for a reason. And so it is, to me, it is a grace that we were able to find our way to these medicines and that world would be opened up and see some old friends again who are working with us to deepen us. But it is meant to enhance this experience for us. And I think also to wake us up, sometimes slap us out of our trance so we can get back into what we came here to do. And I know that was what happened for me. So over a year, almost a year and a half of monthly five grammars, (laughs) I mean, that's insane. And it sounds insane. And yet also the soul, the soul knows what is necessary. This is what I also know. My soul chose that training and the soul doesn't care what the rules of the day are. It could care less what society has to say. This is the soul is not socialize. This is the soul. And so it calls you to an experience. And I answered that call and I trusted and did that for a certain amount of time. And at the same time, the beings will tease me and say, well, dear, you're you're so thick headed. You're a tough nut. They said, you're a tough nut. It took a year and a half of monthly five grammars to get the likes of you to wake up. Not that I was asleep, but they took me to a very deep place. Yes. And so, and my work reflects that the way I live my life reflects that. I mean, I'm so different, Lorna, than I was even three years ago. So very different. And a lot of the stuff that would piss me off, which I think of now, like that was so superficial. And what was my problem? All of that's gone. It's gone. I don't don't think in that way anymore. And the medicine did that for me, but it took the time that it did to do that. And so these beings love us so much. And if we find our way to them, there's a reason that is not by accident. There's no accidents. There really are not. So we've been graced and guided and there's stuff there to learn. And then they will, of course, work with us when we're not on the medicine, of course. And I think the medicine opens us, makes it a little easier actually to feel them because it, it changes our brain chemistry. Of course it does. And I think also, I think it makes you a little smarter. I do. I mean, I think it really opens up parts of the brain that you can then access later. So do you have any recommendations on how to cultivate an empowering relationship with some of these spirits that you encounter? Okay, well, start with an altar. I mean, altars are old, 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 old. And within temples, you would have the adytum, which was the Holy of Holies part of the temple. And there would be an altar in there of some nature or out in nature. People would create an altar around a tree or something. And so bring your beings onto that altar. So for myself in my room, and I love that it's in my bedroom, my altar is to the right of my bed. And I have my owl wings on there and talons and different things. Pan, pictures of pan. I have the fae. And I will sit in front of that altar and at the end of the day and sometimes, and I don't have to say anything and just feel them. Altars are accelerators. So whatever you dedicate that altar to, it accelerates, brings that energy in. So that is very good. And also I would recommend if there is a particular familiar or a guardian that you feel you work with, if you have some kind of talisman or representation of that. So for myself, I have an owl wing on my pillow and I reach for that in the night, in my sleep. And so 
I'm very, very close to that. And I also have a beautiful staff. And this is very magical the way that came to me, but that also has an owl on it. And these are beings that were hit by cars, whatever, died for just no good reason, right? And so this is a way of honoring that being, asking to work with it. It's medicine. And so, yeah, so I'm very, very close. And then, of course, my bees, because my bee, I work with my bees. They work, they come into my dreams. They've entered through the medicine as well. I use their venom now to help people to heal with arthritis and S and a host of ailments that the bee venom helps. So that's interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah, that's another show. But but anyway, and the bees, you know, I have representations of them on my altar as well. So that way, it's like you see that day and night. And then some people wear a little medicine pouch around or something that is close to their heart. So just something that reminds you, not that you need reminding. Do you know what I mean? Like if you sort of get caught up in the mundane and then you feel that presence again because it's around your neck or something in your pocket or something. Mm -hmm. Shamans would of course do that or they'd have a little pouch they'd wear, would have their medicine in there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, first talk to them and journey. I sit in bed, I prop my pillows up in bed at night and I don't even, usually I use a rattle because a lot, some use the drum, but I will use the rattle, the monotonous sound of the rattle and I just shift into an altered state, but I don't even use my rattle anymore. I will just get in bed and close my eyes And I go to what I call the circle of the elders and it's a circle and there's always one place open. That's for me. That's my spot. And then I converse with them and they talk to me. And so I will, if I have a question or I want to discuss something or I really need guidance. And again, what are you doing? You're going within. That's how you access these beings. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. We're close to the end of our segment, but I would like to just go back to that question about this experience extraordinary time that we appear to be in and the ancient prophecies of the condor and eagle coming together and just the acceleration of information that's been facilitated by the internet. It's hard to deny that we are in a time of extraordinary shift. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, have you been feeling that too? I know people that work in the shamanic world would say, you know, yes. The folks that may not be so deeply involved in shamanic or spiritual practices, I think it's very easy to like sense something or at least point to data that indicates, wow, information has never traveled so quickly in the history of humanity. And that's having a profound effect on our consciousness, our intelligence, Mm -hmm. and our evolution. Now, what do you think this time of shift means? And do you think it's a good thing or a precarious cataclysmic thing? And how do you think we as humans need to, I guess, take advantage of or benefit from this time of change in order to evolve humanity forward? All right. Wow. What a superficial question. (laughs) (laughs) I will say (laughs) (laughs) that with all of this technology that we have to spread information, we're also at a time of extraordinary deception. And I think the deception's never been thicker. And so much is co-opted, including even the so-called alternative media. That's like sort of my friend, Niall Murphy, commented and said that's like sort of navigating the wild west at times because there's a lot of disinformation out there as well and but in a way i kind of i take that almost as as a good sign because it tells me that those who have been sort of holding the reins of power 
are rather nervous and they're spending a tremendous amount of effort and time and money to put out information to try to steer the collective in a certain way. And yet, in spite of all of that, globally, and I call this the biggest news you'll never hear, is this awakening of people and who are starting to see more and go, I'm not buying that anymore. That is not making any sense to me. And I'm going to do this instead. And so taking that step away from the sort of collective hive mind that we find ourselves some of us in and answering like a higher call. And so we still have, of course, the great majority of people on this earth, or I think of them as sort of in a walking coma <laughs> and really sort of believe the nonsense. But there are more and more of us who are going, no, no, that is not, that's not how it's going to be. And then we do have people, there are technologies that are coming out like free energy technologies that are very underground because what happens if you go public with that? Those people get their laboratories destroyed and death threats and all sorts of things. I mean, friends of mine, two people I know who sort of work with that met with a guy who has a free energy technology and it took them months to even get the guy to meet with them. And they said he was visibly shaking when they were talking because he's had some bad things happen. But in any case, those technologies are coming up. I think of this as chaos theory. It's like you can try to control. It's like trying to herd cats. It's not going to work ultimately. So those technologies are coming up. Water purification technologies are coming up. I mean, there's some amazing stuff happening globally within, I think of it as pods almost, or you can think of it as a mycelial network. So this creativity is welling up in certain people and then they are making these things available. And don't forget also, we are between ages. The age of Pisces is slowly leaving and we're entering, we have entered the age of Aquarius, but we're at the very beginning. So we're, this is actually like the in-between time. It's like that time between three and four in the morning when they say the spirits are the strongest because it's like not quite night anymore, but it's not quite morning. It's the in-between. We're in the in-between of ages right now. So this is, it is very precarious and the beings have said we're at a Y in the road. We're at a Y in the road. And so, and it's up to us no one's going to save us. Jesus isn't coming. The Pleiadians are not coming. All this nonsense. In fact, the beings have said, we're here as your assist. And that is what, it was a promise that we made. We would be here as your assist, but we're going to do it. And speaking of three, a three-letter word is ACT, A-C-T. It takes actions. We must act in some way. And so in order to really keep the momentum, I can never remember this British author's name, but I heard him in an interview once and he said, find what breaks your heart the most and make that your passion. And so there's a lot out there. And and for any of those people out there who feel like their life has no meaning or that they've got this low self-worth, I have a job for you. (laughs) Many, 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 many jobs. There's so much that needs your help so much. So get involved and assist in this shift that is occurring and watch what happens. So the being said, we're either going to be in a level of just domination and tyranny. They said the likes of which this planet has never experienced. Truly, that is an option. Or we're going to create an age of potentials, things that are going to come through technologies that are beyond our wildest dreams. But they are saying not technologies that destroy the earth because so much of this technology is making a mess, the Wi-Fi and all of that. They're saying, no, 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 really, really extraordinary that coming into the fullness of potential of what a human being can create. And so when you think of that story, I'll make this as quick as I can, of the Native American grandfather who tells his grandson, I have two wolves in me that fight. One is chaos and ruin and it makes a mess. And the other one is all 
all that is good and noble and true. And the grandson says, oh no, which one's going to win? And he says, whichever one I feed, whichever one I feed. So I can see the problems very clearly and uh, challenges that we have. And I can see also, all right, well, this is necessary and this will be my part that I will do to help, to assist in this shift so that we will choose the correct direction that will uplift humanity rather than grind us into the dirt. And so, I mean, it really, in other words, this is very, this is no joke right now. It's no joke. And I am not a love and light person. No, no. We must see what we're in and really see the problems and the issues and the deception and the darkness. See it so we can correct it and heal it. And so we have to do that within as within, so without. So this is big work time. This is grow up time. That's what the shift is. This shift is grow up time. It's get off and embrace this beautiful body that you are in. You're a human being and I do not buy into this, that human beings are a scourge on the earth. That's a trick to get us to hate our own race. Human beings are beautiful. We've been deceived. We're waking up. We're waking up. And what we are capable of and what we can create within our personal relationships in our community and on this earth is beautiful, beautiful. I know this like I know my children and like I know these beings and they say so as well. They love us. They're not pissed at us. They're saying, dear ones, dear ones, wake up, dears. Wake up. You're so much more than what you think you are. You have been led by a pied piper in the wrong direction. Come on now, over here. You are not sheep. You are kings, kings and queens. That's what we are. That is truth, capital T. And the more we realize that, then there's nothing we can't do. And that's not a pep talk. That is truth that I am speaking. And so, yeah, we'll finish on that note. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing such a powerful message. How can we best stay in touch with you, Shauna? My website, shaunahome.com, has my contact information. And yeah, it's all there. So I make myself very accessible. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And you enjoy a beautiful day. You too. Thanks. So that was Shauna Holm, modern mushroom mystic and shamana, sharing with us her wisdom on how to work with visionary mushrooms to break the spell of modern existence and connect with ancient teachers. My takeaway from this interview includes the importance of working with visionary mushrooms in a sacred, most humble way, and why taking the time to protect your journey into the spirit world with ritual, prayer, and purifying herbs is important. With the popularization of magic mushrooms as a recreational drug, so few people take the time to do this ritual and prayer to set the ceremonial space of their journey. And when they don't do so, they open themselves up to negative influences and parasitic entities while they are in the visionary state. When you do have a strong relationship with the mushroom teachers, as well as guiding spirits that you might meet through your mushroom teachers, the wisdom that you can receive from the other world can be life-changing. So let me share with you my latest mushroom message from beyond that is causing me to rethink some of the major decisions I am making with regards to my life and my travels. So I had participated in a four-day dance retreat and camp out that included magic mushroom chocolates. Now it had been a while since I'd consumed visionary mushrooms and I have to admit it was a completely wonderful and joyous experience. I didn't really talk to anybody all night. I just danced and danced and allowed myself to be bathed by the bright full moon. 
During the evening, I found myself contemplating all the possible places that I could move to as a location-independent internet entrepreneur, and the world indeed feels like my oyster at times. Now, the choices were making me a little ADD, to be honest, because there are so many amazing places to visit in the world. My mind started flipping through all the choices like a fast-moving slideshow. All of a sudden, a thought cut through my location neurosis, one that did not seem to originate from me. The thought was, Lorna, instead of thinking about all the places where you can possibly go, why not choose the place where you will be the most supported to do the work that you are meant to do in this world? That was a completely different framework to approach choosing where to live. So, I want to invite you to consider. What is the work that you're meant to be doing in this world, and who are you meant to be? And then make your life choices from that place and see what shifts for you. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share entheonation.com/slash twenty with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and via email, and subscribe to us on iTunes, where we appreciate your honest ratings and reviews. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com/entheonation for curated visionary content, field reports, and more. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode, and I want to leave you with an all-time favorite track called "Oleander," which is a future primitive remix by Blue Tech. Enjoy.